0: Okay. Hey, Bill. You can introduce Lou. Okay, I'm just waiting for us to go live on YouTube.
1: I'll uh, I'll introduce the show, and then you introduce Lou.
0: Okay. All right, we'll go. We're live. <laughs>
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. Uh, my name is Mark DeMayo. I'm your host. Uh, along with me is my co-host, my partner in all things law enforcement, the very handsome, and he's got a new commercial ad out. Bill, can you hear me? That was
0: actually an old commercial that I just posted.
1: Okay, it's for a hearing aid, so I just <laughs> want to make sure you could still hear me. Bill, you out there?
0: Yeah, I'm here. That's the kind yeah. of that's the kind of job you get in. Um, you can't see me or hear me.
1: I could hear you. I was messing with you, bro, with okay. the hearing aid. Okay.
0: <laughs> you know, you know. Introduce you know, my it's,
1: guest, man.
0: How insecure I am with this uh, being the engineer and all this other shit, and then you're, uh-huh. then you're messing with me. <laughs> so tonight we have an unbelievable guest. He's actually a, a retired NYPD sergeant who I worked with. God, it was 1990, 1989, 1990 in the 26 precinct. That was my when you when you got promoted to sergeant back in the day they used to give you a six month command and your permanent command so in case you fucked up they'd only keep you there for six months then they'd ship you out to your real command anyway that's where i met louis la Pietre. and i knew he was destined for greatness but not in police work you know he was destined for greatness in something else and sure enough during his police career he got a law degree and now he's counselor uh la pietra and krieger his law firm and he represents a lot of cops but also the captain's endowment association which he's uh he's a great lawyer so
1: uh get to look at this guy la
0: what's
2: up lou how are, how are you good evening mark billy cheers, going? cheers. I, got my, I got my official uh I if you could see that my captain's endowment
1: glass right there that's a <laughs> nice looking glass
2: yeah well you know it's uh once in a while they they give a nice little appreciation gift, and that it's always nice to be appreciated.
1: <laughs> That's nice. How you guys my, doing? My, I got my Bengali IPA. Oh, nice! It's endorsed by alcoholics around the country, around the world. Very nice. Uh,
2: it's a good-looking uh, label on there.
1: It's a good beer. I like it a lot. It, it's uh, it's good. Packs a punch. Put it that way. Cool. Billy, what are you drinking, I guess?
0: Uh, I'm just, I just have my uh, Poland spring water uh, standing by, you know?
2: All right, somebody's, somebody's got to keep it together. To keep it straight, you know?
1: <laughs> what do you got going on behind you, Lou? Um,
2: oh, so I guess you could see uh, a little bit of my guitar collection up there, you see that?
1: Yeah, um, that's just four of
2: them. I got about 19 or 20 of them, I mean, the rest of them are downstairs. Um, these hang up in my, this is my home office. Where uh, I've been working during the various cycles of this pandemic, Um, probably 90% of the time working from here, doing hearings from here, court appearances from here. And, um, you know, the nice thing about working from home is that you're gonna have a good commute um, and you're gonna eat well. The bad thing is, you know, I start at seven o'clock in the morning and it's like, you know, tonight I got, it's like half a day, seven o'clock and I'm, hanging out with you guys, which is nice. I mean, I'm sitting here sometimes eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. It's, it's, it's nuts. So, it yeah, so it in the office, take time off. It doesn't stop. In other are, ways.
1: You, are you saying that you're actually working more from home than you would at, at, at the office?
2: Yeah, at, at least it, probably 50% more. Why is that? You know, I think because uh, you're at home and people figure, well, you're working anyway. And why not? You know, they're going to call you up at, at you know, normally somebody wouldn't wouldn't really call eight nine o'clock at night, and for some reason those um, those norms during COVID are, are gone.
1: You know, now that's it's, interesting. That's interesting because yeah. you're because you're home. It's kind of hard to not pick up the phone.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, so you're home, but you're not. You know, you're locked in a room like this one. I mean, it's a nice little room, but still. You know, it's it's. Uh, I'm sitting in front of a computer monitor all day long, and I'm on the phone all day long. And and then sometimes, you know, my mother will call and say, "Hey, you know, you haven't called me. I want to talk to you on the phone." I'm like, my I love you, but I'm on the phone all day. I'd rather come and see you." Uh huh. She says, "No, no, no, no. Come and see me. This is the COVID. Stay home." He's such <laughs> an
0: Italian son, man. You know, in the 26, uh, Captain Bacino at the time, God rest his soul. He used yeah. to love it because he could speak Italian to Louis. They could speak yeah.
1: Italian together. Right? Uh-huh.
0: Oh, Louie, this is so great. We could speak Italian, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: That's nice, though. That's nice that um, that your mother calls. It's, it's funny how things, uh, you know, work out, that you're actually, you're home, but there's a downside to it. The commute's better, but people know that you're home. They know that you're not going anywhere. So if you don't get back to them, so, you know, what's up?
2: It's exactly right. And and we live in a in a society where nowadays more and more people want instant gratification. Uh huh. You're on the phone. They'll ring your phone. You don't pick up the phone. They'll text you. Hey, I'm trying to call you. <laughs> right? And it's like you know, jump, man, jump. And you know, look, whether you're a lawyer or a doctor or or a computer repair guy or gal, you're we're in the service business, man. You know customer service is, is everything.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, um, it, it, you know, so while I could say, Hey, I don't have a boss, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm my own boss, you know, but you become chief cook and bottle washer and like, you know, you gotta make everybody happy. We all yeah. have somebody to answer to. You
1: know, what's your prediction? How long do you think uh, you'll be working from home? You know, I, I think for the foreseeable future, I mean, I have, three uh, months, six months, eight months, a year,
2: You know, what's interesting, Mark. um, I've almost made it to the point where I have no paper. Every piece of paper I get, I scan and I have a system and it goes online and I can access it online. So whether it's your, uh, you know, whether it's a complaint report or whether it's a a court filing or anything, a letter from a client, anything at all, I can access it from here. I can be in Miami. Um, I could be in Italy, frankly. So I don't know. I, I I may never go back to the way I was. I don't know that I need to go back. I mean, I have to go back. We do hearings from the office too. We do CCRB hearings from the office. Well, wow. um, because in the in the midst of the pandemic, we've changed our, our rules not only in court proceedings, regular court proceedings, but also um, with internal affairs and with CCRB and and with you know um, OEO and those kinds of things because to the extent that we can appear remotely and that has its advantages and its disadvantages. If you and I are together in a hearing and you're a, you know, you're know, being interrogated by internal affairs or CCRB, I think you would want me to be able to kick you under the table if you're talking too much. Here, I can't do that. What do I do, wink, nod, you know? We have, I mean, do we do baseball signals? Like if I
1: scratch my nose, that means shut up. And you can't it's see no way the control. guy
0: crying when it's going
1: really bad. Who's controlling the Zoom? because if you're controlling the, the interview, you could put your guy on mute. So more often than not, it's not defense
2: counsel that's controlling the, the Zoom. It's gonna be the agency, whether it's uh, CCRB or the police department. And um, it's, so originally people were using this format here. We're all on Zoom now. Then for a while, some people were using Cisco Webex. Now everybody's using something called Microsoft Teams. Which is supposedly the most secure? It's the hardest one to hack. This one uh, supposedly is easy to hack. Um, but Zoom? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't have any any data to support that. I'm just it's just what, what you hear.
1: There's a security uh, appendage there, but when when you're uh, putting together your Zoom, you can press it uh, that you you don't have outsiders. I I did an interview the other day, and all of a sudden. Uh, I had another guy there I didn't know about it while we were doing it but I got an email that so and so is is joining your group and it was like um, and it had a funny name too like you knew it was like a jokey jokester was the guy who stepped in my my uh I guess he was maybe he got scared or something he saw two cops talking and he didn't want to like he got scared (laughs) he bailed out but he was looking (laughs) he was looking to jump in yeah. I would love that for some some uh, guy to run across the screen naked. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> and make for a good for a, for a good YouTube, that's for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, we go maybe, but that'll be the one that goes viral. Oh
0: my god,
2: that's crazy.
0: So Louis, the uh, a lot of changes from the last time you were on our show, as to now, and none of them, frankly, have been good. Um, now you know the department. Uh, getting rid of anti-crime, the diaphragm law, uh, just the whole lack of support for the NYPD. The city council even tried to make a new rule recently about parking, paying people to rat people out for illegal parking. I'm just, I I just, it sounds like the Soviet Union, you know, with some of these.
2: Well, what's interesting about that is so supposedly the city council is um, progressive and, and quote unquote liberal. And I don't know, but I always construed liberal to mean free. That sounds to me like the opposite of freedom.
1: Yes. Yeah, but they've been hoodwinked. I don't know if you can uh, call the democratic party liberal anymore. It's either somewhat moderate or all the way to the left.
2: Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's a shame and I'll, I'll tell you, I think that um, a lot of the reaction, you know, the po- so most of my days now are spent um, in post protest business. And what I mean by that is the Department of Investigation has been tasked by executive order to look at the department and determine what it is that they did wrong. Versus,
1: <laughs> right.
2: In response to the protests. Yeah, <laughs> So I have essentially had every single three star chief interviewed by the Department of Investigation. And these are compelled interview where they, you know, so they read you almost this version of Miranda, right. And then they make you raise your right hand. Because in the event that you say anything that could be construed to be against your penal interest. Then you know that that statement is immunized. So that's the level that they've ratcheted this
1: thing up. What does that me. mean, that statement that becomes part of court record because you said it?
2: What it means is if you say, for example, yeah, and the, the protester was an asshole, so I smacked him. Uh-huh. That that sentence could not be used against you in uh, a prosecution. Okay. They couldn't say, Mark DeMayo admitted to
1: smacking the guy.
2: Um, so that's what that means. So you have... D.O.I. looking at the department and D.O.I.'s mission is to put together this huge report and they probably will before the end of the year. My guess it's going to be twelve to fifteen hundred pages of stuff that nobody's going to read, but it's basically ammunition to reform, quote unquote, the police department.
1: Yeah, but when you say that. um, The police department's argument should be that we were told to stand down. So when you ask me what's wrong the, the problem that's wrong is that I couldn't use everything that I had at my disposal to put out, to stop these people.
2: Well, it's interesting because um, without naming names, I did a recent interview. And one of the things that this guy was accused of internally was that the the department didn't like the way resources were allocated and or manpower was um, set up during the protests, Right. And what the core of the issue was, and he said it without expressing it the way you just did, was it doesn't matter. I mean, at one point we had 20,000 cops out there, right? But the issue is, if you have the message to the police nationwide, not just the New York City Police Department, is that we are we are not, not only are we are not going to back you, but if you take a tactic that seems to be overly aggressive, we're going to arrest you. Right. Couple that mentality, that mindset with, Billy mentioned it before, the diaphragm bill. Couple that, it's a perfect storm, with 50A, the repeal of 50A was when we were cops, our personnel records, including our disciplinary history, was um, sealed. It wasn't available to the public. Now it is. You can actually look yourself up. I found myself I found that apparently I had somebody with a nightstick in the 80s and pointed a gun at somebody. And Did you look yourself up? Yeah, yeah. I was sleeping
1: in the radio car.
0: <laughs> okay. How, I was, uh, I'm surprised yeah. at that. How am I, Why am I surprised at that?
1: There's a picture of me sleeping in the radio car.
2: <laughs> you know, and, and so you get all that stuff. So what happens is, so now, you know, you have that perfect storm, along with bail reform, right? Yes. So bail reform says that if in the midst of COVID, a guy spits in your face and then curses at your family, threatens to sodomize your wife and children, and you collar that guy, chances are he's walking out before you're done with your paperwork. So you have that perfect storm. And what do you think the cops are going to do? Nothing. Right. Nothing. And you know who does it? You know who does it? You know who's doing everything? The white shirts, my guys. You know yeah, why? They're
0: taking action,
2: yeah. Because they're immune.
0: They're immune.
2: <laughs> well, but those guys, it's not, that, it's not that they're immune. Not at all. They're getting jammed up left and right. Billy, I'm averaging five to 10 CCRB hearings a week on allegations of captains and above. The full birds I'm talking about, one-star chiefs. I had a three-star chief had to appear before CCRB. Unheard of, right? Yeah. So they're not immune. But what it is, is they're generally older men and women. And they still remember when policing meant occasionally having to get physical with people. So they were not programmed in the academy to have hands off. They were not programmed in the academy to have, you know, that it was acceptable to have a bucket of water poured over your head. So what happens is the generations of cops, the newer cops that were so programmed, aren't doing anything because that's how they've been trained. It right. wasn't like when we were around. So that's that's really what's up. It's not a matter of the resources. Mark, you know, what, you, know, you, know
0: you know what like broke my heart and not just in New York City. There was a couple of incidences in New York City that I saw in the news. One of them was when that lieutenant got hit in the head with a brick and the cop pulled his gun on the guy and de Blasio wanted the guy, uh, the guy fired. That's right. I mean, that to me, that was a, just a misinformed politician who, and, you know, just to put it mildly, is
2: a jackass, you know? He's- well, you know, it's interesting. As time has evolved, and he's been more and more de Blasio, That is, and I'm, I'm not a fan, but he has been less and less critical of the police department because he's starting to become a little bit more clue. I mean, he was completely clueless but he's starting to get a little more clued in when, when things like that are shown to him and say, hold on a second. We want to put you in this scenario. We want to put your bodyguard in this scenario. Yes. Right? You're the lieutenant. Your bodyguard pulls a gun on the guy. What do you think? You think you're going to keep that bodyguard? Of course. Or do you want the bodyguard to like turn and look the other way? You think he's going to still have that detail?
0: Well, I, I'm also very concerned with, um, not just in New York City, but nationally on Article 35 of the penal law and uh, the use of force and um, justification, because it seems like even the rules of justification are changing and that you gotta be concerned with using deadly physical force because they're looking to lock you up no matter what
2: happened. Well, right, it's the the old, I I don't think most people understand and this is all pre-George Floyd. I don't think that most people understand that if you, and you remember this from your time, if you shoot somebody and you kill somebody in the line of duty, it's automatically reviewed by a grand jury. Right. You know who what grand juries review? Criminal acts, right? So to the extent that a grand jury presentation or a grand jury investigation is undertaken, and then grand scheme in the normal way of thinking, that means a serious crime was committed, which by implication says that a cop Who saves his or her own life or his or her partner's life is by implication being viewed upon at least temporarily as a criminal. Right. So, you know, knowing all that
0: let me just stop you for a second. What is the definition the definition of homicide? It's simple. Death caused by another. That's the definition of it. Okay.
2: Caused by another
0: doesn't have to be criminal. You know, you could cause someone's death accidentally. For example, uh, restraint asphyxia. You could restrain someone. They could die from restraint asphyxia because their chest uh, can't expand. And, you know, know from being a lawyer, and you know the penal law, there has to be something called intent that no one ever wants to hear about, right? It has to be either recklessly, intentionally, criminally, negligent, knowingly, right? To get a conviction for for for, uh, for murder or to get a conviction, period, right? But they don't ever look at that, that there is other parts to the law called intent, culpable well, mental if, states of mind, right?
2: It's, it's not necessarily put out into the public domain. What is put out into the public domain is that the cop essentially in today's world, well, let me ask you guys, if you had a son of police age would you advise him to become a cop right now?
1: No. I have a son. Yeah. Uh, he's of police age. And I never, we never had that conversation because he never brought it up. But if he did, I would, I would <laughs> steer him towards another line of employment.
2: Well, doesn't that, doesn't that tell the whole story? Yeah. I mean, we came from a time when, I mean, I was a first generation cop. I mean, my mom and dad were you know, or they came from Italy, you know, so, but, I remember talking Dang. to people. What's that? You mean your Dang. father wasn't
0: a centurion or a policia in, in Italy, right? Or there, no. There's two police in Italy. Carabinieri. Carabinieri and the polizia. Yeah, yeah. Right. And
2: then
1: you there's... Know, um, a cop is like me telling my all my friends my son's a nurse. My son's becoming... He's in nursing school right now. Uh,
2: uh, so it's interesting. You, you know, in Italy, in Italy uh, if you become a cop, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it, it's not like... Um, Unless and until you become like a, uh, uh, like a commander or something, they're like, "Eh, you're a cop, big deal. Uh And I I never knew that. I never knew that until I went back to Italy um, as a, a, I don't know, I guess I was a young cop. And they're like, really? So that's what you did? You became a cop? They're like, you couldn't do anything else? I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you know, we thought you'd be like something else. I'm like,
1: what else is there? Well, yeah, because over there it's more like some guy, you know, so like a, you know, maybe you tell somebody to move their car, or there's not really much crime there where you're, you know, you're tackling people and you know, you're making collars every day. It's not. you know what they
2: told me? They told me that uh, when you when you get stopped on the autostrada, right, the Italian highway, Uh the cop gets a commission on the ticket that he writes. Mm -hmm. He gets like ten percent of whatever you write. It's it's like our highway cops. <laughs> yeah but they, they don't get they don't get a, a commission, no, no. Actually that, get was a commission. A, that was
0: a joke louis that was you know this highway was known years ago too. well
2: they were like yeah because they had ports. Yeah. they'll yeah. never tell you that yeah. but these guys made their own quotas and they tried to outdo each other because they could some guys were, were like driving instead of driving Fiats, they were driving the best out romeo's off duty because like they wrote
1: a lot hey, of um hey lou let me ask you a question so because we're we we might we're in a stalemate right now because okay this is where Biden in the leaked audio suggests GOP beat the living hell out of us over defund the police. These uh it was supposed to be the blue wave is right. in, the, in Congress and Senate and it didn't happen right and uh, nothing's changed and now we're up for uh you know Georgia's like we, we gained a lot of seats in Congress put it that way and we'll probably gain more. So if you have a president that's a Democrat and you keep losing the local elections for Congress and and Senate and the mayor, whatever, um, the president can't do nothing. It doesn't matter. So my point is this, it's like they did shoot themselves in the foot where, where um, the blue States are in a, in a bind right now. They got the progressives um, crying out for more. They, 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 They won't back down at all on this to fund the police and everybody else is like a realist and it's like well we we, we can't do that because you know what i'm saying we're, we're, we're negligent on our job so it, it could it could turn around right now
2: i think you hit the nail on the head when when um... i like
1: when you say that by the way
2: okay it makes, it makes I think you hit the nail on the head <laughs> um, you know you you're right there was no blue wave and and Biden is correct if he said that we got, you know, uh, we got beat because of this defund the police business. He's absolutely right. Most people um, who you talk to just on the street or in your family and your friends, I would think that most people are not about defund the police. I think most people want the police to be there to protect them because, frankly, in my opinion, government exists to protect me. If not, what do I need them for otherwise? I know. I agree. Right? So so to the extent that people are saying defund the police, or a fringe element is saying defund the police, and that cost the Democrats significant seats in the in the House, and, and it did, that I'd see that as a good thing. I see that as a as a as a good sign because people are not going to turn around and Listen, it's a matter of time. Billy mentioned earlier, anti-crime is gone, right? Those guys were the, the, the those guys were the uh, the wolves, or I should say, the shepherds protecting us sheep from the wolves. Yes. Now you take those guys out of the equation, and the criminal is emboldened, and it's 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 obvious to anybody who turns on a TV set that crime is up, shootings are up. How do you turn around and justify no matter what no matter how you slice it how do you tell somebody who lives on a block where the shootings are up 50 60 percent that everything is going to be okay it's not okay it's easy well,
0: to- you know louis they they talk about um you know neighborhoods that need the police the most you know where the most shootings are the most murders the most violence the most robberies and those people want more police but yet a lot of politicians accuse the police of a term called over policing, you know, this neighborhood is over policed, but policing a neighborhood is determined by the seven major crimes. And if you get a, if you're getting a lot of shootings, if you're getting murders, if you're getting assaults, you are getting a lot of robberies, it's policed a certain
2: way. Sure. You know? And uh, but that's reality. And, and, and a lot of these politicians are not into uh, reality. They're into fantasy, right? The fantasy is that if you don't over police neighborhoods that have a high um, rate of index crimes, like you just mentioned, the fantasy is that somehow those crimes are going to, the, the, the stats are going to go down by themselves. The problem's going to fix itself. Right. It's never going to fix itself. It has never fixed itself historically. Right. So it, it's not going to start now. If, in fact, there is not, um any safeguard in place i mean look everybody can com- stop and frisk for that same reason Over- you, mean, you mean stop question and frisk stop question and frisk fine the bottom line is you know I, they keep talking about the, that there is no correlation between um a lesser number of st- uh, of stop question and frisk and a crime reduction but how how do you, how do you just, how do you, how do you reconcile that with what's happening now? It's a slow process. It's not right away. You know, when they, when, when stop, question and frisk was deemed to be something of the past, it took a while for the, for the people in the street who were willing to walk around with a gun. I think it took a while for that individual to figure out that, Hey, I'm okay. I'm not going to be stopped, question and frisk. Right. You know what? It took a while. And now, they're emboldened. They're shooting during the daytime. They're shooting um, on crowded street corners. Did you see what happened in Yonkers a couple of months ago?
0: Yes, yes. I in do. the middle of
2: Getty Square, if you know Getty Square, so this is not unique to New York City. This is, you know. Um, well, and, it's, a, it's
0: a cumulative effect.
2: What happened? I'll tell you, I'll tell you in Yonkers, um, so basically is a guy firing and a bunch of cops chase him down and it's like a running, essentially a gunfight in the middle of a crowded street. When the cops finally corralled the guy, a bunch of them jumped, they... they Actually, the cops, I don't think, ever fired around. I could be right, I, I might be wrong. I don't think the cops, tro- they showed tremendous restraint, but at some point they had to wrestle the guy. Right. If that was in New York City, um, they could have been charged under the di- diaphragm
1: law.
0: Right, right. Well, you, you want to go ahead, Mark. I know you want to say
1: something, I'm sorry. No, I forgot what it was, it's okay.
0: Oh, one of the things is some of these progressive ideas are really baffling. Like John Jay College, the old uh, president, Jeremy Travis. Sure. He came out with this report using all leftist John Jay College professors and wrote a report on how you can drop violence in a community without the police.
1: (laughs) You know what's funny, though? That's what I was to say. I'm glad you say.
0: laughed, because it is funny. I'm going to
1: tell you something right now. We have a perfect example of what's going on in Minneapolis right now. And I think, you know what? We live, this is a country. It's a union. It's 50 states. You can go, and there's different laws in every state. You know, in Texas, you can carry a gun right on your sidearm. Over here, you can't have a gun. So why not let Minneapolis do what they want to do without the police? The city council voted for it. And let's just keep an eye on it. Maybe they'll figure it out. It could take a while. A lot of people could die, but let them have it. Let them have a go at it, because I don't know. I watch movies. I never didn't see not didn't they try that in Seattle and Portland? How'd that work? What? No, no. But they had a weekend. I'm talking about because this way, if you're a criminal and you want to, you know, you want to commit crime, you just go there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's no police there.
0: Look, Listen. it's like it's like Chicago. Every single weekend, there's between 25 and 30 people shot. At least five to ten people murdered, and they're it's basically being allowed to
1: happen. Yeah, but she always looks shocked, though.
0: She she's a moron. She's, she's just always like this. Two, you know, her and De Blasio, you know, should get together. Two morons.
1: She looks you know. like uh, yeah, right. she, like She's a... like this. What's that? A Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But I mean that's that should be intolerable that that's happening.
1: But listen at the, at the same time, you know, yeah well, the, but here's the
2: question, right? The question where is it happening? I mean, aren't there some really like, you know, tony
1: suburbs of Chicago that there that that it's not happening? I uh, have two brother uh, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law, my, uh, I'm divorced now, but they live there and they live wherever they live, it's fine. This one area of it and that's the irony of it all, is just that, you know, the whole BLM movement, and yet these um, these neighborhoods that are plagued with this violence are usually minority neighborhoods, not usually, always. Always, and, always. And they're Black neighborhoods. So if you really wanted to do the work, that's where you start. You start asking for resources. Like, can we get more police here? Can we get, we want to save Black lives for every... I don't know, a, a incident that you see now is nationwide, where there's a police... And I, and,
2: and, and it's interesting, because I guarantee you, if you were to poll the people
1: who are, you know, bolting
2: their doors and putting iron gates on their windows and, and ask them if they want the more police, I guarantee they say yeah. So who is it that they're appeasing? You know, some fringe element that says defund the police or do away with the police? Well, the problem... Is, is, is do they really have that much
1: political prowess? The problem right now the is yeah, them? the person, the people that scream the loudest via social media are the ones that we go to and we listen to. It doesn't have to be the biggest group anymore. So, right, like look at Congress, for example. Um, they call them what do they call them? The squad. There's four of them, maybe now there's five of them. I think another one joined or six, but my point is that they're the ones who are like scaring everybody and it's four or five six people now and how many seats in congress are there they could shut them out in two seconds but those are the ones who are on hypocrisy
2: is really it's actually funny i mean you know um bill and i both live in northern westchester northern westchester is essentially pretty quiet nothing really happens here in terms of Major crime. AOC was born in born in the Bronx, I guess, raised, went uh, to school in your this town, Same northern <laughs> Westchester. Yeah. Right? So how is it all of a sudden that she's in touch with the with urban blight? How does that work? How did she sell that?
0: She doesn't yeah. even know it's the just law. Like if you've ever heard her talk, she doesn't even know the law. She has no clue about the law.
1: Yeah. Well, there's there's a couple of different train of thoughts with her. I, I've heard people say that you know she can never run nationally because nobody even knows who she is, and uh, oh, I think they do know who she is. I think she's made quite the splash. Mark, she won sure. twice. That's scary. You're, you're talking about a tiny little area. I'm talking about nationally. But she gets
2: on a national when when I think I think um, during the debates. Um, I think Trump actually you know, mentioned her name, gave her legitimacy. Uh, I think that there's been a lot of, um, when, they, when they talk about the radical left and the squad, just by virtue of the squad, the squad is known nationally, she's part of the squad.
1: What um, I'm saying is that it's not a lot of people, but they're loud. And social media gives the opportunity for the loudest voice. Everybody else is going about their business and then you have these people crying and saying really radical shit. There's no answer to it really or a or, or major response to it. It's just, that's, that's the only music that's playing in the background. Yeah. So we think it's, we think it's everywhere, but it's really not. Um, until you look at the laws and what they set up right now, trying to placate because they're scared of these freaking people. This you know
2: they, I mean, this is, this is a question I have for you guys. Um, you know, we're all retired we all uh, enjoyed our careers in the NYPD. If you were in the NYPD now, in, in today's climate, and, well, Billy, you were a supervisor, what would you tell your cops?
0: I would say, make sure that you get home safely every day. And don't go, don't go out on the limb because we're, the, the uh, rules of engagement have changed. And you gotta the, protect yourself and your family more and you know, that's sad because right. we to always think about protecting the citizenry. Right. And right. I, I did six and a half years in anti-crime. Let me ask I, you- I, I love nothing more than to grab the mutt that just knocked some woman down and grabbed a purse. And you know, we came out of nowhere and locked the guy up. I love that. You know, to me that was one of the greatest feelings in the world. But these days, hey, well, hey, there is no anti-crime. You gotta be careful because you tackle the guy now, you know.
2: You end up sitting on
1: his chest you yeah. be yeah. a we're coming into a situation right now where the vaccine's coming out so at some point um things are going to change and basically overnight when a certain amount of people get vaccinated that guy in staten island that was uh claimed his bar an autonomous zone the sheriff's went in to get him okay it wasn't for some reason, they didn't ask the local police department to, to go. They made the sheriffs go in there and get them because they knew they weren't going. Uh, the, the, well, I don't know what, what the well, regular one- Regular
0: police, they shouldn't have to you know, enforce that.
1: that. My point is this. It's just the sheriffs upstate denied. They said they weren't going to enforce the Thanksgiving rules by Cuomo. It's happening all over the country. That's where the interesting part comes in because these people to wear the power even though um, they need the police because they don't really have any enforcement other than their voice. Right. Um, so on the other hand is now you're going to get into a situation where if, if we'll see what, how, how much longer this goes. Another bar decides they're going to claim autonomous zone. Maybe there's five of them. Maybe there's two delis in and in a diner that say, fuck it. The vaccine's out now. We're opening up. Now, the only enforcement that you have, you could you could say all you want as a mayor, as a governor, if you don't have the arms, the tentacles to go out there and actually enforce it, and if these people aren't doing it, you're you're lost. So you're powerless. Now you're going to have to regroup and say, okay, oh, and you're going to have to change because you don't want to look like an idiot. You're going to be like, okay, we're opening up the restaurants again. Everything's fine.
0: Well, you know, it's a good, it's good in a way that they get a taste what federal officials feel like when New York City and California become sanctuary states and refuse to enforce immigration law, which is a lot more serious than you know, a bar that opens with, uh, and stays open,
1: you know? Yeah, but that bar is, is, is a big indication of, of people fighting back. Yes. And it's just the beginning. And now that the vaccine's coming out, you give it two or three months, I don't care what kind of nonsense you're trying to pull. The, the people, if you had the opportunity to get vaccinated and you didn't, all bets are off. It's just like the flu. I'm, I'm opening up. Fuck you. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? That's it. Well, people you know,
0: are- I, I, another thing is after 9-11, it took like 10 years for the city to fully come back. I think this is 10 times worse than 9-11. It's going to take New York City 20, 25 years to come back because they've decimated this city. They lost all the major taxpayers. They've moved out to their second home, you know, and they've destroyed the city while the tax base have, has left.
1: Well, the only way you can do that is by, like what I said, this vaccine's coming. There's going to be an opportunity for people to get it. They're going to have uh, essential workers and whoever they pick to go first. Then there's going to be a moment there where you're going to have a choice. And then there's going to be another moment there. And I'm giving each one a, a month where, okay, you had the opportunity to get it. We're opening up. So either the government catches up or it's going to be beyond your control because at that point right now, you become like the prohibition. The vaccine's out there. You can get it. You chose not to get it. I got to get back to work. We're going to open up on the ground, speakeasies, whatever the fuck it is. It's going to happen. It's already happening now. It's already
2: happening. I was going to say that. Once in a while, you'll you'll read about um, a big party getting... uh, Broken up, or
1: busted. yeah, like that. it's great. I know all of them. There was one in the Bronx, a fight night, a bare, bare knuckle fight. Um, there's wow. 6,000 people getting married in in, uh, in in Brooklyn, right next door to a firehouse. Nobody knew nothing. Um, there's parties going on all over, 150 people getting arrested. But what I'm talking about is the vaccine is the deal breaker, they don't realize that because when the vaccine is out all rules are, the bets are off because at some point you could you should have taken the fucking vaccine it's there there and i'm giving it three months and i'm giving it three months before you because this power that uh um, our low three months isn't bad
2: if if if, if it starts to, if it starts to turn in three months where if there's a significant portion of the population that's vaccinated it'll be just like the, you know some people will choose not to be vaccinated but that's okay
1: have right. yeah, so, the choice approved, right now you
2: know, but but it's not like everything doesn't become a potential super spreader event because if there's a, a, a portion or a significant portion of the population who's gotten the vaccine then
1: you know the, the rest of them are taking their chances listen it's it's a it's um there's a lot of people saying well i'm not gonna i want to see what happens you, you, you have every right to see what happens but once the thing is out there and it's available and the 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 initial rush to get it is over there's going to be a period there a, a small period maybe 3 week window and then after that you had your opportunity to get it the lines are not that long we're going to open up well, and the government at that point right now if you're still trying to enforce these things um you're going to lose it it's it's going to you know
0: some government and federal employees they going to the government's going to force them to get the vaccine what if you as a citizen say, I don't want the vaccine?
1: Yeah, that's going to be interesting,
2: too. Yeah, I you don't know. I don't have, know. I don't know you're I'm know asking you an attorney. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that, that's, that they can lawfully do that.
0: Well, um, they, they do a lot of things that aren't lawful.
2: Well, I know. But the question is whether, whether anybody calls them on it. Well, you know, well um, Sanctuary City is, is unlawful, but they do that, right? Right. Well, I mean, you know, and they tolerate it to a point and then
1: eventually they... Because, you know, what's interesting about that, it crosses a line between um, conservatives and and real leftists, because that is a a mindset that it doesn't fall between a political party and anti-vaxxer. That's its own thing. Yeah, it's its own thing. So now you're creating a whole different group of people that don't, they don't want to get vaccinated. And um, they're, they're going to bring up their own fight. And you, you're going to tell me that if you want to pass something where city workers or government workers have to get vaccinated, all it takes is one person with a lawsuit. This says I don't want to. Right. And right. it's going and to inevitably, go inevitably
2: it'll get there. Um, you know, but it's, it's funny how three months. So yesterday I spent my entire day in police headquarters. I was there from, I don't know, about nine 30 in the morning till about, Six at night.
0: Who made the anti-past?
2: <laughs> No, I wasn't, I wasn't, listen, I'm going to tell you, I was in hearings all day. God. Thank God I brought a freaking power bar with me because at one point I turned around to the investigator and I go, You realize if I was a collar, by now I would have gotten a bologna sandwich? That's, right. That's uh, right. I'm like, You know, the guy's like, Well, you know, I got a banana. You want a banana? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't like when you pulled out some mozzarella and tomato yeah, out of your pocket. Yeah, you yeah. yeah
2: right. I pulled out you a pros- balsamic vinegar.
0: Hey, hey, you like
2: <laughs> but the interesting thing is, everybody in the building was wearing a mask. Three months ago, that wasn't the case. Guys had the mask. You know, they had it like hanging out. They they had it hanging on one ear. Once in a while, everybody was walking. It was it was like walking around in a, in a hospital. You know what? You can't nope. get on the elevator without a mask. Right. Um, during the hearing, at one point, you know, the guy was talking. said, like, "If if I took my mask off?" But we were all sitting, you know, six eight feet apart. So it was fine. But um, very different atmosphere in that building.
0: But you know, they're saying that the six foot thing too isn't that scientific either. That people have gotten it twenty feet away from someone else.
1: Yeah, but yeah. don't forget too, if you haven't had it yet, right now you're at the finish line. Well, but, that's the thing, you know, and, and it's I funny. because Have you guys had it? I haven't had it yet. I Haven't either. So my yeah. mask gets my mask gets tighter and tighter until this. You got
2: you had it? Right? No, I didn't have it. My mother and my sister had it and they had What it blood bad. type are you?
1: What? What blood type are you? A plus, A positive. See, the, you you got to be careful because those are more susceptible. Mm-hmm. O plus, O plus is yeah, o, o is the best. The lowest. Um, yeah, my. <laughs> The thing is, like, as you get closer to the finish line, like, my mask gets tighter and tighter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm like, yeah. staying away from people now. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'll be able to get the vaccine, see how many people kick the bucket off of it, if, if it's okay. Getting, you're
0: not getting the vaccine until April.
1: I, I think that's optimistic. I don't think you're going to get it in April either. Nah, April, I, think, well, I, think I think that's yeah. very
2: – I mean, unless you have a hook and, you know, like anything else, right? There's not supposed to be any preferential treatment or skipping no, the line right. that, but you, it's in—it's inevitable.
1: I'm telling you, I don't think so. I, I think it's like, look at look at what happened with the um, with the COVID test. You couldn't get the COVID test at all, and now I, I got six COVID tests in a week. Yeah. yeah. So all you got to do is I go to the city med, I put my name down on a the list, they call me tell me when to come back and i come back and i wait 20 minutes i'm i'm getting tested
2: well they've but, gotten it they've gotten it together that's for sure i mean it was such a panic before they didn't have any idea what they were doing now it seems to be a little more
1: the uh, problem is is this that it's a two it's a two te- uh shot thing so how many people are going to come back for the second shot
2: and and the second shot do you guys know how how much space between shot 1 and shot 2
1: Six i think 3 weeks 6 weeks mm-hmm. 6 weeks yep all right but there's yeah.
2: certain
0: certain companies it's only one shot i think pfizer it might be that you have to get it uh, six weeks apart but you know something there also you got to wait to see what is the reactions from a lot of people a lot of people are going to get sick people are going to die from the uh there's a certain amount of people well, if you're if
2: you're somebody with allergies with severe allergic reactions to things like the kind of person that walks around with an epi pen right Um, you got to watch out. According to, you know, the the latest is if you're somebody who could go into anaphylaxis because you have a severe, whatever, milk allergy, peanut allergy, penicillin allergy, you could have an adverse reaction.
1: I used to date a Greek girl named anaphylaxis.
2: (laughs) Was
0: she shocking?
1: Yeah, I didn't get my rim shot. Did you? Well, you know what though, your that goes to reason. I mean, it stands to reason because those are the people that are most vulnerable. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always that one more thing. You know, that you go to the doctor. It says, "Hey, you know, you're a little overweight. Your blood pressure is high. If you get one more thing, you know, you got diabetes. You know, high blood pressure. If you get one more thing, this is the one more thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. You want a second <laughs> opinion? You're ugly too. <laughs> <laughs> That was the greatest Dangerfield joke ever.
2: <laughs> oh man, God bless Ronnie Dangerfield.
0: Oh my I god, I won't even try to do it. An-
2: it's closed. They closed the club, man. Club closed. Yeah. Oh, it did. Went out of business. Yeah, yeah I don't, think,
0: I don't think they went broke from spending money on the decor because it was the same as it was in the. It was the
2: same, like in the '80s. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to see Andrew Dice Clay there. He, oh, he was, was the crazy. headliner. He was. Crazy. And uh, I was on a first date, and there was two tables available. One was in the front. One was way in the back. And the guy goes, which one do you want? And I said, put me in the back. Thank God. You didn't want him picking on you, right? It got, listen, the guy who took my table got destroyed. (laughs) The guy, he must still be psychologically scarred to this minute. I love, I I mean, (laughs) destroyed. The guy was with an attractive girl and what Dice Man just went off on this. I mean, oh god. I mean, my God. The, a, the I've heard guy di-
0: I've heard the dice say, "Hey,
2: does she give good head?"
0: Oh. <laughs> and the guy goes, "How do you think she got that way? Practice." <laughs> oh yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That, it, that, 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 all that kind of stuff.
1: Right. Constant. Well, I um, I got to know the Tony. Uh, how do you say that last name? Uh Blanca uh Leva Lo Bianco. Lobianco. Yeah, was the his- actor. Uh, Low Bianca, he was an Italian guy. He, he played the bass in the in the band that um, used to perform before Rodney went up. Originally, the club was a band, then he came to see Rodney, and then he'd do an hour after the band. And every once in a while, he'd have a friend pop through and he'd give him some stage time. And then it, it evolved into a comedy club. But Tony was the owner, and uh, he was the co-owner with, uh, with Rodney. Oh, wow. And you know, I used to perform there, uh, you know, weekly, daily, daily. And, uh, wow. and uh, I, you know, Tony used to tell me stories. And he said, it was just come out of nowhere. Like, I'd be by the bar with him. And he goes, go, you know, Joe it sat right here. And he pointed to me. It was outside the showroom. He goes, the, the place was packed. We had to set up a, a table for him and his girl here. And he goes, you know, the guy had two steaks. The reason why he mentioned that to me was because he was taking care of Joe Namath. And it bothered him that he had two steaks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like oh, because he didn't charge him? Ever... Yeah, it's like Joe Namath. All right, in other words, Joe Namath. About Joe Namath and the fucking Jets. You know what I'm saying? He's playing right now. It's not the old Joe Namath. Joe Namath in his prime coming there to eat dinner. And uh, and he had to mention that to me. Yeah, you know, the guy had two steaks too, the fuck. Ah. <laughs> You know, I love that story. i never forget that story. He's like, you know, he had two steaks, not even one, two. Yeah, yeah, the guy had two steaks, that fucking oh. Hey, <laughs> pro
0: athletes take more shit OTA than cops.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that place had so much history in it. You know what I'm saying?
2: Oh, yeah, that place was... Uh, I, 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 enjoyed, I mean, the, the food was terrible, though, man. I remember the food being like just... <sighs>
1: god there was a guy down there and if you were performing you go down there you order like you could have a couple there was a couple things you can get obviously a cheeseburger with french fries you can get uh chicken wings with french fries and you throw the guy two bucks and the thing was never give him three
2: why because you spoil him
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) so when he started performing there you tell the other guy the new comic there you said listen Go downstairs. If you're if you're hungry, go downstairs. Give the guy two bucks. Never give him three. That's so funny. Man. Oh my
0: God. There's some really good lean beef behind this counter. Oh man. Serpico, remember that one?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. That's an interesting scene, too. Give me all the
0: fatty meat. There's some really nice lean beef
2: back there. You know what's interesting? I, I recently um I have a friend of mine is a uh a retired sergeant. I mean, but he retired in the seventies. And he was an anti-crime sergeant um, even during the uh, Harlem riots, right? He owns a a, a very successful jewelry business. He's a a big watch dealer. And he's got a store on Central Avenue in uh, in Hartsdale. And um, he actually knew and worked with Frank Serpico. No kidding. Yeah, he remembers the whole thing. Um, He remembers remembers Frank Serpico. He remembers, um, you know, he said Frank was always an eccentric guy like he lived, he walked around with no shoes that <laughs> so he'd walk around the station house and the guy had like no, like he'd have flip-flops, but he would leave them under his desk and forget that he wasn't wearing any shoes. And he'd walk around barefoot, like in the station. house.
0: Maybe he was related to Vinny the chin
2: gigante, Vinny the chin.
1: You know, what's funny is that there are people like that. I worked with a detective and um, I remember one time, his name is Alex. And uh, so, you know, we worked uh, opposite teams. And just to keep like camaraderie, and I saw that he was going on vacation. I said to him, uh, "So, what are you doing for your vacation?" You know, in passing, you know, our shift is coming in. He's going. What are you doing for your vacation? He goes, "Oh, I'm going to go spelunking." What? He said, "I'm going to go spelunking."
0: Spelunking, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that's good. That sounds really good." And I just walked away. What the? What the fuck? I didn't know what yeah, the fu- right was. What is and that? I I Look it up.
0: Two caves.
1: Yeah, yeah. This guy was into like, uh, you know, cave, cave diving. It's, it's cave diving. You go and in there. And I knew them. that,
0: Louis. <laughs> that, that
1: is so it's just, and you know what, what was great about him, though? My favorite thing that he used to do was, if he had somebody in the box, right, he'd go in there and ask them if they wanted something to read. And of course, they're going to say, yeah, because they're sitting there back then. It was like, really, you didn't have your cell phone with you. You're just sitting there all by yourself waiting for them to come and talk to you. You don't know what the fuck's going to happen. So he'd ask them, do you want something to read? And they'd say, yeah. And we had this whole stack of natural, uh, National Geographic magazines that he used to bring in. And he used to take two of them. And then he'd throw them uh, on the desk there. He goes, read that. It'll change your life. <laughs> they didn't walk out. I, it used to blow my mind. We wow. used to see how pissed these people used to get. Wow. <laughs> they didn't know what happened right now. It'll change your life.
2: <laughs> Some of these I mean the characters man, on the job. I remember when I um, around 90, 91, Billy when, when I left Manhattan North, uh, I remember I, I, I got a call. They wanted somebody who was a, who could write well. They wanted somebody to go to operations, right? So you mentioned Inspector Pete Puccino, God vested so, soul. And um, they wanted me to go down there. And I said, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but I said, you know, Inspector, I want to talk to you. They want me to go down there, this and that. Remember how he used to talk kind oh, of like Oh, yeah, he used to go, hey, that you gotta go down there. Well, he was like, he was like a Jimmy Cagney, like yeah, yeah. Be like, yeah. What do you mean? What's so what's the problem? Yeah. He said, Well, you know, I really like it here. It's a nice precinct and I got a good boss and I, I got, you know, I'm working with good guys. I'm, 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 I'm good. You know, I'm, he's like, listen to me, go down there. You can always come back. <laughs> he goes, don't worry. You'll have a home here. He goes, go down to the building. You never know what happens. Yeah, it's true. Right? Yeah. You and, never uh,
0: came back, man. You, you came back. with I a never came day. back.
2: I, I wound up spending the rest of my career in that building. But what I was going to tell you is you're talking about like and and these kinds of, I, I, I was a, um, Back then, the operations unit was on the on the eighth floor, right? And it had a desk, just like in a precinct. And it, you ever go, you remember the operations unit? It had like, I don't know, uh, three, four, five-story ceilings. Remember that? You ever go yes, walk in yes. there on the eighth floor? I, I don't think I ever walked in. I used to call them a lot. So the operations unit was kind of cool. Like, you'd walk in, and it was like this huge room with a bunch of, uh, like, workstations, people sitting at tables, mostly cops in uniform. And there would be a desk, just like in a command. And on that desk would be a sergeant and a lieutenant or two sergeants, right? And they were the basically the city what you were the desk officer for the whole city of New York, which right. was a, kind of an awesome responsibility, right? And that was, you know, um, I wanna say 90 or 91. Now in 90 or 91, that was just when the EEO thing started happening, right? The department was not really especially uh, keen to listening
0: to, to, to women on the job, yes. Or, or,
2: or uh, especially um, uh, trans people and gay people. Right. They didn't, that didn't exist. Hold on a second, I just gotta shut my door. My, my wife's clanging dishes in the kitchen and you don't have to hear that <laughs> I need But, so anyway, there was one guy who was an old time lieutenant with a serious brogue, right? God, God bless him, Jeff Henyu. And Jeff, you know, sometimes when you you either wore a uniform or sometimes you got dressed in a suit, depend, depends on what you would do. And I used to like to dress real nice. You know, Italian guys like the double-breasted suit with the nice, you know. Yeah. Now, he would always say to me, oh, where'd you get that fucking suit? it in the fucking mob? <laughs> he goes, right? So he goes, uh, at one point, I decided that I was going to fuck with him. He used to fuck with me. So I wanted to fuck with him. So I call in. There was a guy who worked a tape room. Now there was a guy's job in operations was to monitor every news channel, channel, take a VHS tape and make a tape of everything having to do with the NYPD, whatever it was, right? Because that had to be reviewed. We worked
0: on the news. Yeah, they used to have all the news stuff. But it
2: was a tape room in there. So it was like a room. It looked like a TV studio. It was like, you know, TV monitors and tapes. And the guy who worked the tape room was a guy named Rusty Perez, and Rusty Perez was a big Hispanic guy, looked like a lumberjack with glasses, so he looked like a, like an intelligent lumberjack, but he spoke very very effeminately. Okay. I mean, to the point where he'd be like, "How you doing, Saj?" You know, yeah. like that, right? He sounded like like J Lo. <laughs> so, I decided that I was gonna fuck with Jeff Henyu. I make believe that I'm Rusty Perez, and, at the, at, at, and I call up, and I'm calling from the operation. I can watch him from where I was. It's a huge room, and I know that it's, it's, it's a tour change is crazy in operations. It's like a nutty time. There's a lot of phones are ringing, and back then, we didn't have cell phones. I mean, We had the cell phone that looked like a car battery yeah. to walk around with, but behind the desk is all these phones. It was like a red line to... The chief Johnston and the line to the police commissioner and all this kind of stuff so those phones are ringing he's going crazy i call up and, and uh i make believe i'm rusty and i tell one of the detectives i said tell him uh this is rusty i need to speak to lieutenant henry so he goes w- w- what is it what is it d- d- tell him i'm busy right now and he goes uh he goes he's busy right now i said it's very important that i speak to him right now i need to speak to him right now <laughs> so he goes all right, Rusty, what is it, Rusty? He goes. Um, I go, Lieutenant. I'm not feeling too good. I need the day. He's like, What's that now? <laughs> I need. I need an E day, Lieutenant. I don't. I'm not, I'm not feeling too good. Oh well. Are, are you sick, lad? <laughs> Listen, Lieutenant. I need the day. I, I. I don't know what to say. I. I need the day, man. He goes. Well now, Rusty. He goes. You didn't, you, you, why don't you call sick? Why are you calling in for the day? I, you, you seem to sound fine to me. I said, oh, so in other words, I can't have the day, but the cop can have the day, but I can't have the day because I'm the way I am. Okay, look, he goes, no, never mind, Rusty, you can have the day. <laughs> right? So he's sitting there and he's like beat red, right? So with that, not even on cue, Rusty comes out of the tape room and I see, I see Hen, you look and he goes, What the fuck is that now? So I woke up and I go, and he goes, he goes, Rusty, didn't you call in for the day? He goes, No, Lieutenant, I'm standing right here. What what call in for the day? What are you talking about? He goes, So I woke up, I go, Jeff, I'm fucking with you. He goes, You Dago bastard. I'll get you, you Dago bastard. He goes, You fuck. And I know you got mob ties too, you fuck. (laughs) That's what he said to me. (laughs) In <laughs> those fucking suits, you got my
0: ties, you know. Louis, I think you went down there. They used to have this real old hair bag that used to answer the phone, you know. And one time, Pacino tells me, I we call it eight juveniles for a robbery. He goes, Make sure you call operations. So I call operations, and an old hair bag answers the phone. I said, Yeah, this is Sergeant Cannon from the 2 6. We have this, and that and he goes, Really condescendingly, he goes, This is operations. And I, and I, without missing a cue, I said, Hey, officer, I know how to dial a phone.
2: And he didn't know what the fuck he... It was like his head probably exploded, you know? <laughs> I think if I had a guess, it was this guy, Larry Zantini, who looked exactly... If Fred Flintstone was turned into a human being, <laughs> yeah. it was Larry Zantini. He looked exactly like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> you know, all he needed was like that, that spotted leopard thing that Fred Flintstone
0: was. Well, you know, at 1PP, everyone assimilates the rank of chief or inspector, at least, right? No matter what oh, rank did. they are when they talk yeah. to anyone outside the building, you know?
1: Yeah. That's a funny thing is like when, uh, whoever the power that be, if they get, uh, if they leave, they get bounced out, promoted. And now all of a sudden you have the, like, uh, their Lieutenant or their Sergeant there. And you know, somebody else is coming in there and there's going to be a clean sweep. And that freaking dude who was uh, shitting on everybody when he had the phone, oh,
0: man, that's for the what happened five years. When, when Pulaski left he, all yeah. the people with him and other chiefs that treated people poorly their whole crew had to go you know
2: yeah you know that's why I was like it didn't matter where I was I was nice to everybody you have to be yeah it's yeah. funny you know you you talk about you did your six months in the two six I did mine in the two eight and when they looked at the transfer orders where I came from I came from the intelligence division They were like hell intelligence division and you're here they go oh you're on a scholarship they kept saying that Yeah. and I didn't know what that meant <laughs> what did it mean it meant that i i obviously fucked up someplace <laughs> because you don't go from intel to the 2-8 the 2-8 in 1989 was like oh yeah it was rocking it was rocking man yeah it's the hub oh my god right and meanwhile it's like i didn't ask for nothing i didn't get nothing i was i, I was actually happy to get manhattan north because i lived in westchester i was like i could have been i could have wound up in Brooklyn you know that's true so what are you doing for christmas Um, if the governor is listening, I plan on having five people. If the (laughs) governor is not listening, I plan on having 20 people. Um, Italians don't do Christmas small. I got to make seven fishes. What does that mean? I'm going to have three people.
1: Yeah, that's a weird thing. It's, uh, it's overreach by, by, by with no, it's like we talked about earlier. It's going to be an interesting thing. That's going to happen right now with this vaccine.
2: Listen, I don't know any cop, constabulary, deputy sheriff, or other law enforcement officer that's going to walk into somebody's house on Christmas Eve and say, "You guys are under arrest, or you got to break it up."
1: That's where the that's where the, the interesting. That's beyond point. the Soviet Union, man. Because you know, at one at one at some point, you need law enforcement to be your uh, your tentacles out there to enforce all this nonsense that you want to do. And if you're talking about, um, you know, because if you, the, the Republicans are for less government, Democrats are for more government, and at some point they're going to have to relinquish this power. <laughs> and it's it's tough to do, and they got, they might be just be forced to do it and have to backpedal. You're going to see it, on a, and it's going to be overnight. Just the backpedaling. Well, listen,
2: your lips to God's ears, because as a moonlighting musician, I can't tell you how badly I missed that, and I miss Bill Cannon's daily like song and concert. What what, what happened to that? that after you a while. were on a roll, man. Did you, would you run out of tunes? I was no, I was just doing you know those. Was, I
0: was doing it for a while. I got tired of it, and I was just like, when we started doing more of this, we you doing this twice a week. We do this on Monday and Thursday every you know every week. So
1: I got a deal with uh, to to record the album. A comedy album and they had to cancel the first one and then i get a call last week asking me if i want to do december 17th and i'm like listen who's going to be at the gig well what i told them was uh, you know there's in five days right now they could do a, a, sh- a complete shutdown of restaurants again so yeah. i'd rather not cancel again i said why don't we just go into the new year and get 2020 behind us I mean I want to do this as much as anybody else but I mean
2: unless you, you're going to use a laugh track like they did in the 70s I mean you know No it's
1: it's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, stuff coming out right now you know rooftop stuff and it's uh you know it just shows you the the the, the it's it's cool you know like a comedian performing on a rooftop for 15 people and that's his new album or his new special you know that he's he's hawking
2: but it's hard, man. I, I mean, do you do you when you when you guys perform, right? And and this is especially interesting to me as somebody who's been playing music in front of people for years. Do you find that if the audience and this has got to be ten times more intense for a, for a comedian, if the audience is kind of like sitting there with their arms crossed and not responsive, does that take the energy out of you, or of course, yeah?
0: You know, and conversely, I, 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 a really receptive audience energizes you.
1: Oh, oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 I don't really uh, I don't take any any prisoners or any hostages. I go up there and I slay. So if you want to sit there, it's only going to take me, you know, the first joke before I get you to loosen up. Because the truth is, most people come out to laugh. They don't come out there to uh, to, to sit there with their arms Tied. if if they had a couple of bad comics up before them now all of a sudden they become apprehensive did i waste my money did i waste my time they just they want they want to they want it man they really want it and you go up there and you give them some confidence and you give them a couple of good jokes up front man and they're with you man they want to go for the ride that's cool so i never let um an audience dictate as a matter of fact if i have some just an audience sometimes that in the middle of the week that is not that responsive. I go more in, and then I I, I go. You know what? Let me grab this joke uh, that I've been working on that I haven't had a chance to do yet. Now's the time. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So right. Another loser. I never let the audience dictate what I'm gonna do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, if if you want to give me a hard time, I go more in. I never back. I never back up. Cool. I'm like, if I was a boxer, I'd probably get knocked out because I keep coming forward. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Oh. I don't back up. I'm not backing up for nobody. So, so. Mark, we, we have a common friend, Frankie Hudak. Yeah, yeah. I love right? Frankie. So, so how do you know Frankie? Well, Frankie's a comic, or he was he, he took a break now, but uh, I know him from comedy. And then I bumped into him again at a party not too long ago. The funny thing is is that I showed up, I bought a bottle of uh, vodka for the party, you know, so I don't show up empty-handed. But then on the ride there, I just, I took a hit or two. You know what I'm saying? So when I show up, I'm handing the bottle to the to the person in the house, and yeah. I'm like, "Thanks for inviting me." And then he goes, uh, "Yo, know, he drank out of that,
2: already.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Yeah, no, no by the have way, a little he, have a little backwash,
0: have some COVID, absolutely."
1: You can just tell, by the way, I was holding the bottle. <laughs> the fact that I didn't like present it this way. Like by the bottom of it, I was holding it by the top when I gave it to them. I was hoping they would just take it and put it down with the rest of the bottles and (laughs) not notice, (laughs) but they noticed right away. So I was like, "Yeah, you know, it's an hour ride." (laughs) I needed a little something.
2: Yeah. Wow. Frank, Frankie, and I played uh, Italian
1: weddings in the '80s, man. Yeah, he's a good guy. He he's like um, he's He's a good drummer and good singer too very talented yeah
2: and then he had he had a dj business for a while uh-huh um, he works for
1: uh yonkers oh he works for the city well he does the uh he records and films all their stuff oh cool anything that goes on over there that requires some filming and stuff but yeah he's um he's very very talented and he's yeah. a great guy he reminds me of somebody that i would have hung out with in, i grew up in astoria yeah, yeah. He's exactly that guy. Like, you know, like a living embodiment of the 80s.
2: We had a lot of laughs in the 80s. We, we played these, I mean, and I'm talking about, when I say Italian weddings, I mean like 80% of the songs were sung in Italian. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. He sang them. And before he joined that band, he was in a big, you know, in the 80s, the wedding scene was such that all the Italians would outdo each other with a big production. Uh-huh. All that production included the biggest most expensive band you can hire right wow. some of these bands back then were getting 10 grand to do a wedding
1: wow yeah it's like band. yeah some good ones and he it's was the, in a good one greek bands greek yeah if you're greek and you get like i married a greek girl and um you know we had a really nice wedding and uh you know that we had a good band but you you know if you're going to do a, a greek wedding and you're gonna have 300 plus yeah you bring the the best band you can get
2: yeah yeah well, I I got a I got a 300 plus wedding coming up in June. My daughter's getting married and we got 300 plus and right. uh, you know, hopefully uh, they'll have their act together and we'll be able to have it.
0: Johnny Isn't Fontaine will not get that part.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's it's the first time somebody's ever mentioned the date and I think I I honestly think that could work out.
2: June 26th?
1: Yeah. I hope you're right. If I'm looking at if I'm uh, Uh, finally like looking at, because look, you know, we're in, we're not even the the quarter uh, halfway through December yet. And they're talking about the vaccines coming out.
2: Listen, this thing has been an absolute train wreck. My son, who's a a Naval Lieutenant out in in San Diego, was supposed to be married this past July. COVID Uh hit. They said, no, you got to do it in November. November comes along, COVID hits. Nope. uh, You're going to have to do it next September. So now he's getting married after my daughter. Right, except now the latest wrench in their works is that the venue went out of business, is being taken over, and it's like you can have the wedding here, but it's going to cost you triple. And I'm like, wow. Oh, whoa, whoa hold on a second. So it's just been. Well, um, so then my father sent Luca
0: Brasi there, and he said, "You <laughs> would <just> put your <laughs> signature on a contract or your brains."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough time right now to plan anything and all wow. these things, but. I think the time frame that you're looking at, it should be it should be okay. It should be yeah, hopefully. Especially the September one. I mean that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then you you know, there's moments where I start thinking to myself, is it ever really gonna go back? I mean, there's so many things that have changed right now. Like you're talking about, we started the show, so we'll end the show in a circle. But you're you're working from home. Yeah. Right now and. Um, You know, the only thing that could come up is a lot of these married guys right now, they need to get back on the road because their life sucks. Yeah. They like the first two weeks or three weeks of it. But now they want to, you know, they got to, you know, how how long can you keep texting that girl in Philly and the one in, 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 you know, Arizona? You know, when you do your field trips, you know, when you go, you got to visit several offices. Like, you know, it's just like a comic. You're coming out. Yeah, I'm coming out you know but now you can't come out anymore so it's just a question of uh are you going to get rid of all these kumadas or are you going to figure out a way to start we need to get back on the road again
2: listen i gave up on the kumada thing as soon as i took family law in law school that's right Uh you want to talk about the ultimate salt peter read the domestic relations law i guarantee you you won't go no for no more kumada yeah well you know
1: what the soft peter comes in too when you're when you turn i'm 53 years old right now oh yeah that's what stopped me
2: yes well yeah i'm i'm, I'm 58 and and um you know that, that's that's a natural progression of things
1: sometimes I, I, I lay down with the with the laptop i'm ready to go get, get to my business i just get too tired i'm like ah, i'll take care of it tomorrow
2: exactly <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're not even calling up girls right now we're just too lazy to rub one exactly. out
2: at this point, yeah. I just, you know what? Let me go get a sandwich
1: and we call it a day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like your you libido at some point, yeah. that's that's when you find, eh, whatever, you know. It's, okay. it, it, once a month, I'm good. That's oh, when you
0: discover God. uh Hagendas Carmel Cohn. I there you it. go.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think it, right? we,
0: took, we took up enough of uh, Louis LaPierre's time. His phone's blowing up. This is the second time he's been on. We want to thank him. You <laughs> want to talk about our Patreon too, Mark?
1: Yeah, we got a Patreon. We need subscribers to, uh, to join us so we can continue on this venture. You see how much fun we're having, how much information we get on a weekly basis. Bill and I are doing two shows, one on Monday, one on Thursday, 7pm consistently now. We have uh, well over 100 episodes. we probably co- close to 200 episodes all, uh, all together. <laughs> We're locked in for two more years. <laughs> so, uh, I got to
2: tell you, the podcast is great. I, um, I, I like to go on Sunday. I took a long, I walked like 12 miles. And I listened to the Ralph Friedman episode. And I, 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 it, was, it, it made walking 12 miles like
1: fly by. That was the first one we ever did, I think.
0: No, that was the uh, second or third. We, the first one we ever did was just you and I together.
1: No, I know, but it was like the first one we, oh, yeah, we yeah. you know, with this format of uh, actually We are actually
0: supposed to have him back on. We never wind up having him yeah,
2: I
1: mean, I, I'm going,
2: uh, you know, what I'm trying to do is I go back to the library, you know, and, and I got to make time to, uh, and it's a perfect time is on long drives. Like I'm going up to Lake George. I always listen to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If I go on a long, if I'm I'm on a long walk or a long bike ride, you know,
1: perfect. Everybody has their, everybody has their uh, little podcast thing that they listen to on long, long drives. We want to be yours. Uh, We have the best um, in law enforcement, um, anything that has to do with law enforcement. And uh, proof of it is tonight. This was, this was great. We learned a lot. Um, We're not out of the woods yet.
0: Well, Mark is also doing a show called One-on-One with Mark DeMeo. You didn't talk about that, Mark.
1: Yeah, um, uh, I have the huge fat loser. Um, I
0: love that name.
1: (laughs) His name is Aaron Lohman. He's a cop. He
0: calls himself the huge fat loser.
1: Well, he's got a huge – what he has is a huge Instagram following because he was obese. He came from a family of obese people, uh, got on the job, and decided – Overnight, one night after having a nightmare, that he doesn't want to be like that anymore, and he changed his life around. And now he's like a—he's a bodybuilder. I mean, the guy wow. has an amazing physique. He's dropped over 150 pounds, and um, he works. Actually, uh, you know, he's training other officers
0: as part from- of the podcast. Did you oil him up?
1: <laughs> and now, and now we're doing Zoom. <laughs> We're doing Zoom, so I had to do a virtual, and that oh, was a ridiculous.
0: virtual oil of of his back.
1: <laughs> oh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the same thing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great, oh, but yeah, and Bill Bill has a true crime show that he does. Who's I your? I'm really three?
0: enjoying doing that. In fact, you know who I just got to agree to come on. Retired Chief Joe Herbert, superstar.
1: Yeah, he used to speak at the homicide course.
0: He solved the Zodiac case. The guy, what a nice,
2: nice guy. He's coming on Tuesday.
1: Oh, cool. yeah, he was. He used to do a. What do you got coming up, Lou?
2: Oh, I just have work, work, and more work. I got, I got a CCIB hearing tomorrow morning at eight
1: thirty. That's what I got. Oh
2: Good.
0: Yeah, but every time I look in the paper, you solve a lawsuit. Some lawsuit. Sue two cops getting paid because of you.
2: That's not <laughs> a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> nothing paper. wrong with that. Like, if
1: I had someone
0: it. to sue, I'd hire you. <laughs>
1: you yeah, got a beautiful family, Lou. I always nice. look at your pictures on Facebook. God bless you. Thank you, Mark. Merry Christmas to all of you.
2: Same to you. And tonight's the first night I have Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah.
1: Yeah, happy Hanukkah. And uh, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good to see you. All the best. Take care, guys. Bye.